Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. We will be chatting about the movies screening at the Mayfair from Friday, February 18th through Thursday, February 24th. As you might hear, we are doing this via Zoom. We are still not in person because there's still the most bizarre chain of events happening in our lovely city, and it makes traveling around a little bit difficult. So Eric's hiding at home. Yeah, still trapped. And the funny thing is, actually, like, in a normal day, in theory, I could go in and then be closer to Mayfair and then pop down via bus or whatever. But because of everything going on, it's not only almost impossible to get to work. Once you're there, you wouldn't be any better off, even though you're closer to the Mayfair. Yeah, I think pretty much any patronage we're getting at the moment, which kind of isn't too different than normal, is people who are in the neighborhood, people who can walk from a few blocks around to come see a movie. I'm sure there's a few heroes driving in from suburbia or bussing in, but for the most part, I think people are just staying home for the time being and waiting for this chaos to hopefully surpass us. Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about it because we have happier things to talk (laughs) about, but what just fascinates me, and I think I mentioned this last week, is I'm just waiting for this to be an Adam McKay movie. Oh, yeah. I know you didn't really like his last one, but if you look at stuff like... (laughs) vice or that sort of kind of mm-hmm. dark comedy political true to life kind of stuff this stuff happening in our city is just every day is a new plot twist to it and just today we won't go into it too much because we're not a news podcast our chief of police stepped down yeah which almost feels a little bit i don't want to say scapegoaty but it, it almost feels like it's not just that one guy's fault you know like and no matter whose fault or whatever, just the, the right. simple fact that it happened is like, oh, that's what happens in movies, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, the whole thing, like, you're waiting for it to be, like, don't honk up or the big honk or whatever the movie's going to be. And there'll be two competing documentaries about it as well. Yeah. And it makes you think about cities like Washington or Baltimore or New York City. These kind of cities where stuff happens, where big protests happen. Or in Los Angeles, you know, you're a sports fan in Los Angeles mm-hmm. when riots happen every time a team wins and or loses a championship and when you're on the outside looking in at that you're like oh my god how do people live there oh yeah you just keep doing it (laughs) you just keep living there that was weird too because when i mean the lakers won it was in the bubble in orlando or whatever so you're like yeah you're not even in downtown la in a way i mean they still they did a uh, parade or whatever i don't know I feel like it was a bit low-key because of COVID. You know, you're, you're sort of like, it was still wild, but a different kind of wild. And now we are in a city that has always been a political city and filled with protests and mm-hmm. stuff. But this kind of thing, when you hit The Daily Show, when you hit Colbert, when you hit <laughs> that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, yep, the world is watching this right now. Yeah, and the interesting thing is because, yeah, like, like Ottawa is, I mean, in a way, the most political city in Canada, in a sense. And so it's kind of funny that you're almost being, like, penalized or assumptions are being made about you because you live in Ottawa. So you're just sort of like, ah, oh, yeah, everyone votes liberal and everyone does this or that and all that. And you're just like, well, like, we're all just people. It's not it's not just like, yeah, Ottawa is this and that's what that is. There's a little more to it than that, I think. And you do forget when you live in the city. Like I lived in Vancouver for a couple of years and the people there don't wake up every day and go, ooh, mountains. You know, they're just <laughs> there. And yeah. I'm sure the same thing with people who just are going about their daily lives in Washington. They live in the same city as the White House or New Yorkers live in the same city as Wall Street or 
back in the day, Los Angeles lived in a city that was where most of the movies took place or most of the movies mm-hmm. were shot. So you just kind of, yeah, you just, for us, you know, we're still making candy bar orders and booking movies and mm-hmm. making staff schedules. And then you're like, oh yeah. And then a 10 minute drive from here is complete chaos. Yeah, and it's funny, like, I actually was in the theater for my niece's birthday for a private screening, so I got to see you then, but it wasn't a podcast time, so it was ironic, like, I was like, in a way, it's not that hard to get to you, but in another way, another more accurate way, it's quite difficult. And I was talking about that, too, because there's some stuff in the news about, oh, this is going to ruin kids, the lockdown, and, and all this education from home, and being cut off from their friends, but then this party that you were at... Mm -hmm relatives were at mom and dad were there and uncles were there and that kind of thing but there was i don't know like eight teenage kids and they were fine there were a bunch of nice kids and they were (laughs) hanging out and they didn't seem shell-shocked about having to be in lockdown the last couple years and i'm sure there's been trouble and heartache but you see them and you're just like ah they're gonna be fine they're gonna get through this they seem to just go with it like from what i i I don't have kids obviously but it seems like most of the time they don't care like they almost think the masks are cool in a way and it just really seems like it's the parents or it's whoever is co-opting them who are like, look what you've done. And you're like, I mean, they seem like they're still chill. And like my brother's a teacher. And, and I mean, yeah, I mean, kids are kids. They're fidgeting and everything like that. But it's like none of them are complaining about it. Yeah. And it's one of those things where the old timers, it's the cliche, but it's true. You see it all the time of people going, ah, kids today. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know. These kids today, I think, got it pretty under control. And they're the ones that are going to do their best to fix the environment and be better politically and treat each other better and be better to people who are different than them. And you see that kind of stuff and you're like, ah, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Oh yeah. And especially like they're being taught code in schools and some stuff. Like they're just like the stuff that they have at their fingertips now is just incredible. And obviously you're not going to be like every single kid is going to be the best and do everything and all that, you know, but like the options and the information that you have at your disposal is just crazy to think about compared to what we had, you know, learning typing on keyboards that, you know, like are just like, that seems so archaic nowadays, the A-A-S-S-D-D-F-F type stuff. God, I'm a stone's throw away from having learned on a typewriter practically. (laughs) when, When I was in grade school, that was really the first generation of computers and stuff being in a classroom and i think about that too a couple of years ago we had a really great rental where it was a, a local school and it was a bunch of grade school kids like not even junior high age yet i don't know what class it would have been in but an art class or something i don't think they have communications or or like a tech class that young they did a bunch of short films and a bunch of animation stop motion using lego that kind of stuff mm-hmm. And it was just great. Like, it was just so much fun for them to see their stuff on the big screen. And some of it was really good. And you're like, wow, these kids are using technology that I never had at that age because they're genuinely recording it off of their teacher's cell phone and (laughs) using some downloaded editing equipment on a laptop in the classroom kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, these kids are going to grow up to be animators and video game designers and filmmakers because they're getting to play with this kind of stuff and i always think of that too of how there was always kids messing around with making short films and stuff but it's so much easier now compared to what sam raimi and bruce campbell and their friends were doing in high school having to actually shoot and edit on film and how much more expensive that was and today you can really learn and make mistakes and have fun just with your cell phone and it makes them pretty decent stuff and so i always think about that of 
kids during this time have probably started to make some really cool movies. I still think, I think it might have happened, but we're going to get like a really good Blair Witch kind of horror movie out of this lockdown. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's pretty incredible when you think about, I don't want to say the YouTube generation, but in the sense of so many kids getting, you know, getting the O-lights and getting their own cameras and editing software, all that stuff. And it's almost old hat at this point for them to make credible short videos, like not short films too. And, and it's so easy to have an older generation be like, oh God, look at this. Oh, who, who wastes their time on that? Who does that? But the fact is like, that is this version of Sam Raimi that if he had access to something like that, you know, he probably would have started out doing that too. And just like the fact that they're able to hone a craft in a different type of way than a different generation would do. That's just going to, that's going to become, and, and I mean, look at Sam Raimi now making Doctor Strange too. And it's so funny to think of that learning curve. And now it's just, you can walk into a shopper's drug mart and get a like, make your own YouTuber setup. And it's, you know, sure, it's easy to laugh it off, but you're like, they're learning real skills and real techniques. That's pretty incredible. Oh yeah. And I bet you, if it hasn't happened already, because I, I don't really follow Saturday Night Live, but I bet you they're going to find some great comedian off of that mm-hmm. versus going to a stand-up club or going to an improv troupe. They're going to find them online, and that's going to be a movie star in a few years. It's almost like a foreign language. I'm on the cusp of that myself, where I just see something like TikTok videos or whatever, and you're just like, I know that's probably not that hard, but I couldn't do that right now, and I don't know if I have the patience to figure out how to do that, and I'm okay with that. But it's so easy to write something off that's not your thing or that's, you know, oh, kids being kids. But it's it's a pretty incredible skill to have. And, I'm, I, you know, I have to say, like, it does make me feel a little like I could be doing more, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't ever actually looked at TikTok. I've seen it because they may have shown a clip on Colbert or something mm-hmm. like that when it's either a celebrity or some America's Funniest Home Video type of thing. So I mm. know of its existence. I've never <laughs> been anywhere near it in real life. Yeah, I just see it on Twitter. They'll usually get shared to that. And I'm just like, well, that's about the extent. Like, I can't actually see myself downloading it and falling down that rabbit hole. Like, there's already enough going on. Yeah. Anytime somebody asks me, oh, did you see this on YouTube? Or, oh, did you see this on Facebook? The answer is always no, because I don't go down rabbit holes. I'm too busy. Yeah. And it's weird because I'm on social media all the time, but it's always just working. It's posting movie listings and posting new premieres we got interacting with filmmakers or whatever but i never just scroll through and find stuff so my answer is always no i have not seen that and i think that's how i managed to not have movie trailers spoil movies for me because sometimes i will see a movie trailer after the fact that i've seen the movie and just be like oh my god i'm glad i didn't see that beforehand yeah well plus like you have to battle not reading spoily headlines even if you don't see the trailer you're like well that's happening now thanks a lot Oh, God, yeah. Like, speaking of Doctor Strange, I have not seen the new Doctor Strange trailer, and I've avoided it somehow over the last couple days, and I'm sure I'm going to stumble on it sooner or later. But I think something happens in the trailer that some nerds got mad about, not in a troll type of way, but just in a, oh, I wish I had just seen that as a surprise in the movie kind of way. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm going to spend the next month or so, because, you know, don't tell the Mayfair, but I'll probably go see that movie right away that I'm going to try to get in there spoiler-free. I managed to do that with Spider-Man. I managed to do that 100% with the latest Spider-Man. So let's see if I can do it with Doctor Strange now. Because, yeah, because trailers, sometimes you're just like, I didn't want to see that surprise. It's fun to be surprised. 
And I think there's two new trailers for Doctor Strange as well, from what I heard. Oh my god, two of them. Yeah, but I assume it's like, put them together and it's one normal trailer probably, but still, I have seen a spoily headline for the trailer. I haven't seen the trailer, but I already know apparently someone who might be in it. I'm like, well, great, okay, like... It's whatever. It didn't like ruin my day or anything. I mean, these they're just fun movies. Like I don't care that much, but still nice to like. I haven't had the the Spider Man be spoiled yet, and I guess at this point I'm just waiting for it to come out on home video or whatever things are called at this point. Having seen it, Spider Man would have been spoiled for me just in that they are, and I'll say this as unspoily as possible. But <laughs> there's actual cover story magazine articles with actors who are in the movie that is a surprise. And I'm like, okay, well, that's out. But it doesn't ruin the movie at all. The movie's still fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if anyone dies or doesn't die. So I got that going for me, basically. I know a few people that are in it that maybe I shouldn't have known, but that's about it. So, I mean, hey, do you know they're making a, you must know this, but they're making a Craven the Hunter movie, finally? Oh, is it? See, Sony's going nuts now because they're like, <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse went really well. And these latest couple Spider-Man movies went really well that our name is branded on. So now we're going to make a movie out of every Spider-Man supporting character ever. Because Morbius is coming up. They're doing a, mm-hmm. some form of a Spider-Woman movie, but there are many different Spider-Women. So <laughs> that's still up in the air of who that is. But Craven, that's like that's about like a guy who hunts animals. How are they going to make yeah. that into a movie? I never liked Craven. I'm going to say it right now. I know he's a classic villain or whatever, but even as a kid, I was like, I don't really care about this guy. He's like a hunter. I'm like, okay, whatever. But like uh, Russell Crowe is in the movie. They haven't said he's playing Craven, but that could be pretty hilarious. But also much like with Venom, with the current two films of Venom, which I think there's going to be a third. It's so weird to have these characters being established when their whole character arc revolves around Mm Spider-Man, where... Craven is interesting because he kicks it up a notch from hunting animals to go and hunt Spider-Man. Yeah. And Venom is a direct spinoff of an evil Spider-Man. So that's the weirdest part about this Sony Disney thing is they're like, oh, yeah, you can go use those supporting characters, but just don't use Spider-Man. Yeah. And now they're hinting at it. Like, I mean, I think inevitably, like, I mean, they really should combine them with Venom at this point. Like, I mean, they're both successful franchises and people are begging for it. Although it is funny because they've already established that the symbiote was just from outer space and that's it. Nothing to do with Peter Parker or anything like that. So I don't know if they're just going to go with that or is there going to be some weird multiverse reasoning for things now? Who even knows? Well, much like with comic books, not to get too far off track, but this is still movie related. Using the multiverse is a great thing because you just get to backpedal and change anything you want. So we could wake up tomorrow and they could just go, oh, even though in the first two movies, these two Venom movies weren't in the MCU, now they're in the MCU. That's what this multiverse of madness can really establish is really changing stuff for that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what happens because, like, obviously, you know, Sam Raimi, it's a love and hate thing. You know, he's, I was going to say he's gone Hollywood. He's successful. He puts his stamp on what he does. I don't love all of the big budget things he's done, but I'm always excited by his take on something, especially this having a horror element as much as possible for this kind of a movie. It's going to be really interesting to see what they kind of let him get away with. And he has said that he has had a great time doing this and that he's really loved working with the MCU team. So, I think this is going to feel very much like a Sam Raimi movie, despite being intertwined with the MCU. Yeah, and it's funny. I actually think he could have done a really good Morbius movie. Oh, he could do anything. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that almost might be too uh, typecasting for him, and you can get outside the box a little bit more with Doctor Strange, but we'll find out. 
Okay, as much as the MCU needs our support, <laughs> uh, let's talk about movies screening at the Mayfair. Stuff we're really playing. <laughs> yeah, from Friday, February 18th through Thursday the 24th. Another great week, another packed week. Mm-hmm. Just It often happens this time of year with the Oscars. We get the opportunity to screen some stuff. So usually we average four movies a week, but all of a sudden we'll be like, ah, let's do six. So this week we have two really big Oscar nominees, Drive My Car and Flea. Mm-hmm. Both are of interest because Drive My Car is a kind of a three-hour-long art house epic that is up for a whole bunch of awards. And then Flea is really interesting to me because this has never happened before. This movie is up for Best Animated Film, Best Documentary, and Best Foreign Film. I didn't actually realize it was up for all three. That's crazy. Yeah, if it only had gotten Best Film as well. Yeah. So it's this really interesting thing of it's going to win one of those, but (laughs) just that it is this mixed media of the reason it's documentary and animated is because one or more of the people in the movie do not want their identity revealed and that kicked off the idea to do it animated because they could change the look of the people while still having the flow of a film Mm -hmm. very interesting so i'm very much looking forward to that because that's that may never happen again a documentary foreign film cartoon yeah, I didn't even realize it was fully animated until last week when we saw it in the animated thing. I was like, well, all right. That's already impressive to get a nom in that category that's usually dominated by Disney, Pixar, maybe a DreamWorks if you're lucky. Yeah, it's rare for a quote-unquote grown-up film to sneak into there. It happens every once in a while, but for the most part, yeah, it's Shrek and Wally <laughs> and Toy Story in there versus a heavy political documentary or it'd be called flea like f-l-e-a and it's about an animated flea on some adventure starring jerry seinfeld (laughs) yeah it's like yeah it's uh maybe not as good but still i have heard the real flea movie is just incredible yeah so that is our two new films and once again once upon a time the mayfair would not have gotten these movies till maybe three months after the oscars because they would be tied up in the multiplexes and stuff Nowadays, which is good for us, is the multiplexes are busy with other things. And so we get these movies really fast. Like to have these movies before the awards happened would have been completely impossible once upon a time. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really good for us little indie cinemas that are hanging in there is that we get this content pretty fast. Yeah. The multiplex of madness helped us out this time. Yeah. So then we have three retro films of very different cinematic stylings right first up our james bond mini fest continues with goldfinger Mm, classic which is very highly reviewed i know in the quotes for this one i pulled roger ebert giving it four out of four stars and that it's one of those ones it's not the first film so usually the first film is the best and there are diminishing returns afterwards and every once in a while there's an exception Like people would say Godfather 2 Mm -hmm. or Jaws 3D, of course, you know, but... Friday 13th Part (laughs) 6. Yeah, but it's not usual that one of the sequels is arguably the highest acclaimed one. So always fun to have that kind of stuff on the big screen. Yeah. Then for its 50th anniversary, we have Superfly. Another classic in a different way. (laughs) 
continuing our black exploitation black history month screenings we just had shaft as well <laughs> that's amazing only at the mayfair are you gonna celebrate black history month in this kind of style that's how we roll <laughs> yeah exactly then again all these are very interesting but we could talk for two hours about new york ninja so true because i think we've talked about this before but if you're not in the know new york ninja was completely finished as a feature film and shot back in the early 80s somewhere in the years up to 1984 and then for whatever reason i think it just lost funding or the studio folded or whatever it was unfinished so unfinished that the script got lost there was no notes of oh we filmed this scene on this day or take four is the best out of this day so the heroes at vinegar syndrome and i'm sure this is a very long story kind of short found all this stuff put it all together had to re-record all the sound effects all the music all new actors to come in to dub the dialogue of which they were guessing because they didn't have a script so they had to do it the best they could and now they've made a movie that many years later is coming out for the first time it's fascinating yeah and i mean so much of it is fascinating but the score is great because it sounds like it was made at the time the band's called voyager with a three in there somewhere and yeah it just sounds perfect you know i mean there's been a lot of like sort of synth wave type stuff or 80s sounding stuff or even the stranger things soundtracks and stuff like that that sounds very much like it could fit in an 80s type setting and this is just like of all the things that are crazy about what they were able to do to get a perfect score for that and the vocal cast to get that all it really boggles the mind that they even pulled this up at all well, can you imagine just watching the rough footage and being like, did he say I'm going to the store or that what's that on the floor? Like, that's what they had to do. They had to go through and lip sync the whole thing and then just try to do their best to say like, oh, I think that scene went there and I think that scene went there and this seems like the climactic final battle. But they don't know. They were just winging it. Yeah, it's it's pretty astonishing. And, and also the fact like it would be so easy to deliberately make it worse in an entertainment way for them to like lean into a sillier script or whatever just to do it for jokes but like they really didn't do that they made it as a legit as a movie called new york ninja was planning to be <laughs> right it is awesome and by all accounts numerous critics are like this is what independent movie theaters were made for this is the kind of movie you want to go out with your friends and watch with a crowd and cheer and clap at the end and have a good time. Mm -hmm. This is what big screen was made for. So do take this opportunity to come and see this bonkers motion picture event on our screen. Yeah, the, like the fact it's even available for screenings is pretty awesome because I mean, they were doing at first just Fantastic Fest and stuff like that, you know, film festivals. And I really didn't think, like I didn't even know if it would be profitable for them to try to allow it to be screened to other places. So it's a real treat that we got it. It's another example of the digital revolution of the cinema world was not the death of things. Because if this had been a situation where they would have had to have made multiple 35 millimeter prints to send off to various cinemas around North America, that would have been very expensive. But they can do it digitally, a fraction of the cost, and we get to see this great mint condition B-grade 1984 film as if it's rolling off the assembly line for the first time. It's just, it's crazy. And the, the cast, I mean, to some, the cast will just be who's that kind of thing. But I mean, to people who are really fans of B-movies and stuff, there is such a treat among, it's almost like not worth looking into it ahead of time and just being surprised when you're sitting down to watch it. 
And it makes you think, I wonder if this is going to happen again. Are they going to look in a warehouse in Los Angeles or New York City and what other lost treasures they're going to find? It very differently, like we all, I'm going to say we all know, but many nerds <laughs> know that Peter Jackson is obsessed with this lost footage from King Kong. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of stuff like that where they find old footage. Doctor Who's a big example where... Doctor Who, just because of when it was made, a lot of the episodes are lost and they only have audio tracks or they're lost forever. And it's become this really neat Indiana Jones thing of people finding people who used to work on the show or checking old storage lockers or finding rough audio and then animating a scene over it. That kind of stuff nowadays is being made a lot easier with the internet and digital technology. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we have another New York Ninja type film again. And, or even like TV stuff. Like I found out yesterday there was a show called Hail Honey, I'm Home. And it was a 50s sitcom starring Hitler. What? Yeah. And it's real. And they made 10 episodes. The only one that's ever made it is the pilot, which is on YouTube. Like it looks just awful. I mean, beyond the premise itself. But it's just, they, I guess that trickled out somehow. And people were like, oh, maybe we'll find the other episodes. And it's just, you just can't even wrap your head around that. You're like, who greenlit this and thought that it was a smart idea? How is that real? That's bonkers. It's literally about Hitler and Ava Braun as if they were the honeymooners. That is crazy talk. Yeah, I'm glad I accidentally left that till the end of the podcast <laughs> for you. Because like, it's just like, it, you think I'm joking, but my God, it is on there. I looked last night. The one more thing we'll mention before wrapping up is that Family Day is coming up on Monday. And on that day at the Mayfair, Tracy Arnett always rents out the cinema and does a special event for the community. And this year she is screening Back to the Future at one o'clock. It is going to be free for everyone in attendance and a free popcorn and drink for everybody who comes too. So that is always a fun thing that happens around the Mayfair once a year. Yeah, I kind of forgot about literally, I mean, there's so much going on, but I forgot yeah. about <laughs> Family Day being a thing. So I just I saw the billboards outside Target and was like, oh, geez, we're doing that? <laughs> Poor old Family Day gets forgotten most of the time because, you know, I don't want to hurt its feelings, but it's a completely fake holiday on a sliding scale that all the holidays are fake. I'm not getting any family day cards or gifts. It's good for us though, because that rental always happens. So like, oh, yeah. in that sense, it's positive. We sell a lot of popcorn and drinks and people enjoy a free movie because people like free. Yeah. And back to the future. I mean, who doesn't love that? So we're going to wrap things up just a tiny bit earlier compared to the last couple of weeks where we rambled on just because I want to sprint out the door and go see House of Gucci at the Mayfair in half an hour. <laughs> of course. Of course. That's that's always a good plan. Because I have heard either it's going to be a great masterpiece or a wonderfully entertaining train wreck. And I'm interested in either of those sides of the movie entertainment coin. And Kylo Ren's in it, so it's got to be good. Yeah, anything with a Star Wars actor in it is good. That's fact. Yeah, confirmed. Okay, so thanks for listening, everybody. You can find updates at MayfairTheater.ca, and we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check there for upcoming movie listings and any tiptoes back towards normalcy that we're taking as rules slowly start to change back towards a non-COVID land. Very, very slowly. (laughs) Nobody rushing here yet. Uh, Yeah, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Mayfair Theater Podcast. Bye. Bye. Oh, and then we can talk about how on Friday, Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes out on Netflix. Ooh. Number nine. The ninth one's always the best one, right? I know. They only get better as they go along. This dude is bad. And he ain't just fly. He's super fly. Yeah. Super fly. 
When it comes to women, they come to him. But it's still not enough. He wants a big score. A million in cash. Yeah, the big one. This is a chance, and I want to take it. Now. Before I have to kill somebody. Before somebody ices me. What kind of money are we talking about? Not much. I want his ass out working. Then I took all this chance for nothing. And I go back to being nothing. Work at some jive job for chump change day after day. Look, if that's all I'm supposed to do, then they're gonna have to kill me, because that ain't enough. Ain't I clean, bad machine, super cool, super mean. Feeling good for the man, super fly. Here I stand, secret stash, heavy bread. Baddest bitches in the bed. I'm your pusher man. Superfly Harlem dude leave the system. He's got a plan to stick it to the man. He's super hood, super high, super dude, super fly. <laughs> 